Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Last week, uh, last week we got to look at Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. Uh, and this week we're going to finish that off, really the repercussions of that. T- today we're really talking about uh, one of the greatest fears uh, that's around. The greatest fears. Uh, it's, you know, uh, some of you would say it was a fear of missing out. No, it's not just the fear of missing out, but maybe, maybe that's connected somehow. It's a great fear. It, it, it's, a, it's a fear that most of us uh, subconsciously think about all the time. And it is what drives really every society and maybe uh, the United States in the greatest of ways because just of who we are and what we think about. It's the fear of humility. The fear of humility. The fear of being humble. Now you say, well, I'm not fearful of being humble. Okay. Let me say it a different way. The fear of not being great. Or not being the greatest. It drives us. It's this thing that, that in us that we say, oh, I, I've got to be the greatest. I've got to be thought of as great. No one has ever said, I, I want to get a car almost as good as my neighbor's. My house, uh, I, I really hope it looks almost as good as my neighbor. You do a home improvement project, you get the picture off Pinterest, and you say, I, I want it to almost look this good. Most of us always want to be better. We always want it to be the best. In fact, if it was almost, uh, we, we want it to be over, right? We want it to be a little bit better than our neighbor's. We want our kids to uh, be the smartest, the most athletic, the most good-looking. We want our family pictures to be a lot cuter than the ones that we receive at Christmas time. We don't want to be almost as good. We want to be the best. And so we're always pushing to be the greatest that we possibly can be. And we love it when we accomplish it. And what drives us for there is the fear of being humble. The fear of not being the greatest. I believe it was Winston Churchill. He, he was speaking of one of his opponents and he, he said something. And I think about it every time we come across the, the study of humility. He said he was describing him and he said he's a very humble man with much to be humble about. He wasn't speaking of you and I here this morning, but he could have. So this is where we are this morning. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Daniel chapter 4 and verse 34. And I'll just remind you, I'm sorry, verse uh, 28. Verse 28, and this is the end. This is what happened after after Nebuchadnezzar had his dream. And this is what it says. And this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. 
At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built uh, by my mighty power as a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he wills. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like the bird's claws. Verse 34, at the end of the days, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven. My reason returned to me and I was... And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all the works are right, and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help it to guide us now. I pray especially for uh, us who are struggling with pride that you would mark us with this and uh, write our course and grant repentance to our heart. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we think about this this morning, even as I prayed, I, I, I want you to think about your own pride this morning what you struggle with. And you say, well, maybe, uh, maybe you'd say, well, I don't struggle with pride. The mere fact that you're saying that in your head probably indicates that you're struggling with pride. Uh, and you say, well, you know, I, I, I don't struggle with that. Well, uh, do you think you deserve? Do you think you deserve? And, and when I say, do you think you deserve, chances are the reason for you thinking that you deserve something is that you're proud. You don't have an accurate opinion of uh, who you are and what you're doing. But let's look at Nebuchadnezzar in light of what's going on in our own heart. First of all, if you were here last week and 
uh, earlier in chapter 4, you realize that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He had a second dream that's recorded. It was a dream that bothered him. And so he sent for the smart guys, and they couldn't figure it out. And then he goes, oh, Daniel, bring Daniel in again. Daniel will fix this. Daniel will give this. And Daniel does. He shares with him about this dream. Remember, the dream is of a tree, a magnificent tree that everyone loved this tree. It was to be chopped down to the stump. Uh, not the roots, not the stump were to be removed, but the, the tree itself was to be chopped down. And it would be restored. But only after seven seasons or seven years, it was going to be restored uh, this tree that was to be chopped down, and Daniel made sure and made, made it clear to Nebuchadnezzar, you are the tree. You're the tree. You're the one. You're the one that's going to get chopped down in seven periods. And I, I just want to point out one thing. Uh, we won't review all of this, but if you look back to uh, verse 27, we didn't read that. Uh, Daniel ends with this last week we looked at. He says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy uh, to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Meaning, repent, repent. Quit walking in pride. Quit walking in pride. Repent, change your ways. And um, I, I want to encourage you about our time together that it's meant to be trans, transformational. That when we look at the Word of God, even if it's apart from here, you're reading it, it's not meant to just be a practice. It's meant to transform you. Uh, sometimes we like, uh, we like going to church because it's like a good workout. You know, ooh, the pastor was talking to me today, you know, he was talking to me, and I felt so convicted, and oh, it, it hurt, it, it was like he was calling out my name, it felt so good, and then I went about my week and did whatever I wanted to do, and I didn't think about it again, and now, now I need to go back, and uh, I want to encourage you that this is not just uh, going through the motions time, that's meant for us to think about our ways and consider who we are. And so this morning, as we look at this, we look at Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, he is going to live out this dream that he had. And we see in verses 28 through 33, his humiliation, humiliation. And, and I, I want to tell you, humiliation, humble, those, those words go together. Uh, if, if you're humiliated... That's a process by which God is seeking to put you in your right spot. It's not unkind of him. It's not bad for him. In fact, it was kind. It was kind that God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar in this dream. It was also kind of him to uh, take care of him for these seven years that we're going to look at this morning. In verse 28, it says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar, that all this, this dream. Verse 29 <clears throat> says this, At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. 12 months. 12 months. He had this dream, and then 12 months later, he's walking on the rooftop of his palace. 12 months. Uh, we don't know any more details, but it's 12 months, right? You get the dream, 
The dream is clear. The tree is going to get cut down. Why is the tree? Because uh, of your pride. Quit being the way you are, and maybe prosperity will go. Remember, um, skipped over this. I should have said this, but in in review, if you look at the beginning of chapter four, what does it say? Um, he, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he's writing these things to them. Why? Uh, because he wants them to know. But verse four says this, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace, right? He had it all. He, he had good times. He had food and he had a beautiful home and really the beautiful city was his. And he had all this prosperity that was connected with him. And so what did he do with it? What was this blessing that was from God? What, what did he do with this blessing? Well, um, he got this dream, and it says at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace. And the king answered, or the king said, is not this great Babylon? That's not bad to say that this isn't great Babylon. It's not wrong to acknowledge greatness, beauty, luxury, prosperity. It's not wrong to acknowledge it. Where he went wrong was he kept talking. Most of us, it's a common problem, common problem. Uh, Is not this great Babylon? And he says, which I have built. I did it. I did it. I want to tell you, there's a danger in accomplishing things, especially for builders. I know we have some contractors here today, great home improvement people. There's a danger in it. You know, you you start with with, uh, a problem or a piece of land has nothing on it. And you, you get some plans together and you do some stuff and you after a while you you get some people you organize some things you get some materials and you bring the movers in the dirt movers and you do these things and all and then and then finally it's done and you stand back and you say I did that I did that I was the one who built this house without me this house wouldn't be here this project wouldn't be here this church wouldn't be here. I, th- this magnificent thing, I did it. I built it. There's a danger in that. This is the danger that Nebuchadnezzar fell into. He, uh, he, he had been 12 months removed from this dream, and he was on top of his uh, palace. And, and what he was, I don't know if you've, you can picture this, right? You, I think you can picture it, right? He was on top of the palace. Why, why was he on top of the palace, this rooftop? Why did they have this here? Because that's what rich people do. It's the high rise of the day. Have you ever eaten in a, a high rise on the top floor or on the, the patio? And, and the reason it's up there is so you can look over all the amazing things. Uh, we, like I mentioned last week or the week before, uh, Tatsby doesn't have any high-rise uh, buildings. But most of us have been on top of the mountain, right? We've been able to overlook the city and maybe you've seen the skyline of the beautiful city of Tehachapi. 
Uh, and, and you see that and you go, boy, that's the city. Well, when Nebuchadnezzar looked across the city, what did he see? I did it. All this magnificence. This is mine. I am great because of what I have accomplished. He was uh, standing on the rooftop that probably he had designed. He was in this magnificent palace that he had to his liking. Uh, we don't know how many years, once again, we lost the time stamp a little bit. Uh, but the, he is probably 50 or 60 years old at this time. And when, I, I can say this by authority. Once you reach 50 or 60, you kind of have to talk about the great things that have happened, not the great things that are happening. Um, but, but he looked at all his accomplishments, his hard work, and uh, he fought back to the days where he had conquered uh, under his father. He had conquered uh, these other cities and nations and gathered land that would become and be enveloped as Babylon. Uh, he thinks of even the, the, the captives that he has from Jerusalem that are now part of their culture. He says, Babylon's great, and I built it. And why did this come about? Well, it is connected with this royal palace that I have, this place that I'm looking at. Uh, All this was my mighty power as for my glory and my majesty. Why am I doing this? Is to magnify myself so that when people look at the palace, when they look at Babylon, and we'll talk in a moment about the hanging gardens of Babylon, and the magnificent, when they look at those, they won't just say, boy, that's beautiful. They'll say, Nebuchadnezzar is great. Nebuchadnezzar is mighty and powerful. And Nebuchadnezzar is king. Nebuchadnezzar got caught being proud. He says, uh, is this not great Babylon, which I have built with my mighty power as a royal residence? And for the glory of my majesty. Was Nebuchadnezzar great? Yes, he was. He was. In fact, uh, if you look at uh, lists of great leaders of history or ancient history, Nebuchadnezzar is always on the list. Nebuchadnezzar too, by the way. This is his son. The son, uh, he was really the more magnificent of his father and his son. Nebuchadnezzar was known to be top 10, right, in all, in all of history at that time. He was the greatest leader of his time. He was known for his military uh, uh, expertise as a young man. He was known for his conquering of much land and really Jerusalem being kind of the crown jewel of his conquering He uh, rebuilt the city of Babylon into one of the wonders of the world. And as the people looked at that, they go, man, you you, got to see Babylon because of how magnificent it is. One of the things that he's known for is his hanging gardens. And when you think about that, you know, there's many who have suggested and tried to depict what it was like, but it was known uh, by historians as just something so extravagant and so beautiful. How many of you like to go to beautiful gardens? You know, there's different places in our country where they, they just waste a bunch of money so people can think it's beautiful. 
The reason I said that, the reason I said that, um, you think about ancient times uh, and how difficult it was to do something. Well, you know, uh, so how many of you have tried to grow grass before? Go grow grass. Uh, you really haven't, haven't tried until you've tried to do it in Tehachapi, right? You know, Tehachapi is something else, right? You know, uh, any of you have any gophers at your house? You know, how about, how about watering during August, right? Watering, you know, you just leave them on all day long if you want that grass to be green. You, you realize that, like, this is, that's extravagance, right? Uh, the, the idea of landscaping, especially in ancient times where, where it was just extravagance. The people needed to eat, and the king was, uh, you know, doing his garden, and he wasn't really doing his garden. He was enjoying his garden. Everybody else was doing the work. And so it was the picture of extravagance. His beautiful hanging gardens that people would uh, marvel at uh, were connected with him, with him. You couldn't talk about those gardens without saying Nebuchadnezzar. And so as he looked upon those things, as he considered what his 50, 60-year-old life had accomplished, he was filled with himself. He was filled with himself, and uh, he brings about his own humiliation. You skip down uh, to looking at verse 31. God's word says this, uh, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. You shall be driven from among men. You shall, uh, you, you shall be, um, your dwelling shall be the beasts of the field. And you shall ma- uh, be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you. You look at this and you see this is what had happened. And this is what was uh, said to have happened in the dream, right? Twelve months before, he had the warning. This is what will happen to you. I want to remind you of something in Scripture. It's in Proverbs. It's in James. It's in First Peter. It says, uh, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's opposed to the proud. And as you look at this passage, know this. If we rise up in pride, stealing the glory of God, claiming for ourselves our own accomplishments as being great for us, we're proud. And where does that, why does that impact our relationship with God? Because God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As we see this, as the words were coming from his mouth and kind of sailing out there, this voice from heaven came and pronounced this judgment, really the timing. It, it is happening now. You're going to, first of all, the kingdom will depart from you. If you remember back to what the dream said, it, it, was, it was bronze and iron were connected in there. And if you go back to the, the previous dream, remember those are insignificant. Uh, insignificant or less significant kingdoms that would come after him. They would be bronze and iron. And he says, you, you know, your kingdom will depart from you. It won't totally depart from you. 
The tree won't totally die. It will come back, uh, but not in its magnificence, bronze and iron. And so, so we look at this and we see the kingdom is taken from him. I, I would say this, that the whole event is humiliation for King Nebuchadnezzar, but probably the, the biggest piece of that is the king has been his role and his authority and his uh, position, high position has been taken from him. He's been brought down. Not just brought down, right? Not just that his kingdom is taken away, but this is the description of what is to happen. He's driven from men. The, the picture there is that he's not a part of civilization. He's not a part of the city of Babylon. He's now been taken out of his relationships with people. He's driven out from men. So he's taken from the kingdom. He's driven out from the the society, if you will. And where to? To dwell with the beasts, the animals. And uh, we know from how this plays out in different recordings that uh, you you just have a, a, a pathetic picture that the king, out of his mind, goes out to live with the beasts of the field and the pasture, eating grass, living, you know, this homeless, crazy sort of life out with the beasts. It sounds, it sounds uh, too much. You can't envision where he had fallen from, from being most important in the whole world, king of the world, right, to now a beast of the field. It describes, as we looked at, I read earlier, his description, um, and this was part of... Uh, he was, because he wouldn't acknowledge the Most High God, it says in verse 33 at the end, it says, uh, his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like the bird's claws. He's just unkept mess. And it says this, that that was seven years. Seven years. Picture that. What's a year in your life? What's a month in your life? Month seems like a long time, doesn't it? A year seems like a, way too long for anything, like a quarantine or something like that. Way too long. Way too long. Seven years. Seven years. And, and you, you see this and you go, you know, Wow. And, and, and I think that the important part, piece for us to get stuck in our minds is this. This is what God thinks about our pride. This is how serious pride is to God. And it doesn't say it in this passage, but you need to connect. You need to connect why pride is such a big deal. What was, what was the big deal of of? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar saying, I did this. Well, why was that so significant? Because it wasn't true. It wasn't true. Yeah, he was part of the process, but it wasn't that he had it all and he did it. Think about this. I, I talked about this last week. How many servants do you think he had? Lots. Lots. And he probably discarded them like Kleenex. He worked them to the bone and then tossed them aside. 
He probably uh, had them beaten if they didn't do what they were supposed to do right the first time. So there was this, uh, th- there was that. There were other people that worked and really, so he didn't really do any of the work, but he was receiving the glory. But think about this. How did he get all those servants? Oh, it was from those conquests that he did. Well, how did he earn those victories? Well, he was smarter than, well, do the, does a smart guy always win? No. I want you to get this, that the plan of God is working out all the time. And if we win the game or succeed at anything, know this, that somehow God helped me get there, whether I've acknowledged him or not. You say, well, Nebuchadnezzar was a lot smarter than everybody else. Why? Why? Did he make that brain himself? Did he put himself in situations as a small boy where he could learn things? No. There were there undoubtedly people in his life that were older that taught him things and, and encouraged him with strategy and taught him things about military and government and these things, of course. And so what came from Nebuchadnezzar? I want to tell you, nothing came from Nebuchadnezzar. I want to tell you that's true for us as well. We, we didn't come with any natural resources of our own. We didn't come with the brain power. We didn't come with, it, it was a blessing from God. And so for Nebuchadnezzar to take that to himself was an awful act of pride that God uh, worked out in these seven years in Nebuchadnezzar's life. It, it's interesting, we don't have the recounting of seven years. It would be a much longer book the book of Daniel, but we have a summary. We have the the dream, and then we have this is what happened seven years. So we have first the humiliation of Nebuchadnezzar. Secondly, in verse 34, we have the glorification of God. The glorification of God. At the end of the days, it says in verse 34, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And meaning uh, that at the end of those seven-year days, it wasn't to the day or it doesn't say it was or wasn't, but it was at the end of these times, what happened was this. He looked to heaven. He looked to heaven. And this really hinges on the change of the story. I realized that the dream said seven years, and that's what it was, but know this, that, that there was unrepentance at the beginning and there was repentance at the end. Uh, the, every, that's what changed. As you look uh, down at verse 34, it says, At the end of these days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And it says, And, and my reason returned to me. He lifted his eyes to heaven. He, he looked up to heaven. He acknowledged the God above. That says that his reason returned to me. And, uh, you know what he said right then? Why didn't I do this earlier? You know, talk about slow learners, right? Seven years. Seven years. Why didn't I do this earlier? And you see this and you see him being uh, changed in that moment. Uh, It says, my reason returned to me and I blessed the most high. 
and I praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion. <clears throat> Excuse me. For his dominion is ever everlasting is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth and none can say uh, say his hand can stay his hand and say to him what have you done do you, do you get it this is what he said before, right? This is what he acknowledged before when they, instead of bowing down to the golden image, right? He, 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 he got it for a second. And then before, you know, as he, he acknowledged and he could see in, in Daniel and his, his friends, boy, they, they sure look healthy. But also the fiery furnace thing, right? That he acknowledged that he had these points in time where he saw clearly that God was God and that he was not. That the most high was the most high, and he was not the most high. He, was, he became literally the most low, right? He was a mess, eating like an ox. And as he looked to heaven, he realized his position. And, and really, I, I, wanna, I want you to see this. Being humble is just taking your position. Just taking your real position. It's not magnifying yourself. It's not stealing the glory of God. It's, not, it's just you finding your position, your rightful position. To be able to say, I'm a mess. I'm a needy person. I, I, I fail often. I, I'm driven by pride and selfishness. I, I struggle. That's the humble place. It's the rightful place. So he lifted his eyes. His reason returned. And as a result of that, he blessed the Most High. And he acknowledged that once again, that his uh, dominion, his rule was forever and ever a dominion. And once again, I'd say this, not like his own, right? He was standing on the top of the rooftop. He was looking at Babylon and he was talking about his greatness. And he was just going, this is all mine. I did it. I'm mighty. But it's temporary, and I have it for a moment. And so as he looks at this, he acknowledges that God's rule is forever. His dominion is forever from every generation. And the question at the end, what, what have you done? No one gets to question God. People get to uh, follow his plan. This is our rightful spot. Which brings about restoration in verses 36 and 37. You have his humiliation, God's glorification, and his restoration. You look at verse 36 and it says, And at the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty, my splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I, I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. What you see here is this, the blessing of God returned to him, that he uh, allowed him that same position. He blessed him again, and he restored him to that position, that those servants came again, those people who served him came again, and even after seven years, God restored him as the dream had said. We see this riches returning to him, these blessings returning and in verse 37, it says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, 
for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I could be wrong. Done it a few times today already. We're wrong time and time again, right? But I think uh, Nebuchadnezzar will be in heaven. Um, This is the last we really hear of him. And it seems like the last things we hear of him is that he he understood who God was. He understood his place before him. And I, I want to just, these last words that we hear, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. He is able to humble. I, I, that's a warning for us, isn't it? For those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. How would God humble you? We could, we could kind of, you know, let me count the ways, right? Uh, let me count the ways he has humbled you. And uh, remember this, uh, when, when you, I think all of us have done something and we go, boy, that was humiliating. That, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. I want to tell you that's good for us. It's good for us. It shows us where we are. It shows us that, that we're frail. Know this, that if we walk in pride, God is able to humble us. And you say, well, he hasn't yet. Maybe it's 11.5 months since you had your warning, right? And, and you say, I, I got it, I got it. I want to tell you, I, I want you to remember Nebuchadnezzar. It's good for him to be humiliated, even for seven years. Because it brought him to his right mind before God. Three things as we conclude our time this morning. First one is a question, uh, Where do your blessings come from? You or a kind, merciful, and holy God? If you think they come from you, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're like Nebuchadnezzar. You're wrong. And you need to think about that. When you see a blessing, when you realize your riches, when you see good things that have come to your life, first of all, you should be able to see them Quickly, right? Oh, my life's terrible. No, it's not. No, it's not. There are blessings in your life right now. And for you to acknowledge them that they came from God is part of uh, who we are as to be human. Second thing, I, I want to put two words before you. Uh, humble or humiliation. Humble or humiliation. I'd say this. Be humble or expect to be humiliated, right? God's place for us is humility. It's, it's this idea that we are to walk in uh, humility, not in pride. If we're not humble, we can expect the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar got, humiliation. Last thing I would say is this, quit acting like a king. Quit acting like a king, King deserved. The thing he thought he deserved most was credit, right? He deserved. Uh, don't think about what you deserve. Think about your humble position. And, and you say, well, where? In your marriage? In your marriage? In your relationship with your kids? Your job? 
how you talk to your uh, in-laws and outlaws. You know, your relationships here. The, the way you consider the future. You know, think about all these things. There's, there's dangers in all that. Your marriage, you can complain, right? Maybe not out loud, but at least in your heart. She should do some more. Well, that wasn't very, you know, she, she didn't cut it there. He didn't cut it there. Well, I would be better if he was better. That's not humble. It's proud. You think you deserve. Your relationship to your kids. Why is that brat acting that way? Because you haven't raised them. You got work to do, right? You know, we're, they're so lazy. They learned it from their mother and father. My, my kids should be smarter. Well, maybe they're not going to be smart. Maybe they're going to be like their old man, right? Humility. Why, why do I have to live in this house? Why do I have to uh, drive this car? Why, why do I have to do this? I deserve better. I want to tell you, it's not humility. It's proud that you think you deserve. It's the same pride that was in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. I want to tell you, God has blessed us richly. He's blessed us richly and deserves to be praised for it. The Most High. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to learn from Nebuchadnezzar's failures. God, help us to learn. May it not be a warning that we haven't heeded for 12 months and then uh, you have to humiliate us because we haven't found our rightful place before you. God, thank you for being kind and merciful to us. Thank you for being a a God who doesn't chop down the tree and burn out the stump. God, you are a God who has uh, always shown us grace over and over again. May we be people of humility that receive your grace. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.